0: You are listening to the
1: Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did
2: you say you're doing wrestling
1: moves?
0: Oh, God, i a bleeding? Jason kale walk around on stilts. Fucked up.
1: I like to spice our model.
0: Hi, I'm Feedy. Je m'appelle Dave. Um, why are you speaking French, Dave? Bonjour, bonjour Fidi. Dave. You Bonj- <laughs> bonjour, Fidi. Um, I. Comment ça va? Pretty pretty good, man. Yeah? Good, yeah. Quit looking at me like that, Dave. <laughs> Shit, that's all the French I know
1: <laughs> after I just ask you how to say all those things. Hey, listen, the truth is you just got back from the French motherland. That's right. You just got back from yeah. the forest of Fontainebleau. Would you like to tell our gathering of listeners, how it went for
0: their little precious Feedy Beedy. Well, Long Young. Long Young. Long, long Young Feedy. Now that's like your a, brother. Yeah, sorry. That's yeah. my brother, Long Young. Shout outs. Uh, Shout out, Long Young. <laughs> Fontainebleau was, of course, incredible. Amazing. We lucked out. The weather was great. It's been good for like three weeks there. Not I a know. raindrop. It's incredible. Yeah. And the climbing... Exceeded, if not, like, yeah, just it met my expectations, which were pretty high. Wait a second, now you said it exceeded, and then you kind of you kind of backtrack there a little bit, and well, then it's thinking, like it met my expectations. <laughs> my expectations were like it's gonna be the best fucking climbing, or better fucking be the best climbing I've okay. ever been on, and for the most part, it was. For the most part, it was. For the most part, well, let's let's kind of let's unpack that a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> i don't know it's subjective um fun blue is like going to to school and getting you learn a lot of lessons dave that's what happens in school yeah you learn some hard lessons Uh, what lessons did you learn you're like i want to just have fun and hang out with my friends and party and then you're like i have to i have to pay attention and I have to make sure I really study this and I can't just like walk in here expecting myself to succeed. You're not going to get an A plus that way. Gonna <laughs> you're not going
1: to, you're not going to get, this is not a pass fail t- um, thing, dude. Yeah. It's very hard. Everyone says it's hard. It is hard. It is so hard. No matter how hard you climb, when you go there for the
0: first time, like expect to punt. You're going to yeah. punt just a little bit. Yeah. It's just never have I climbed somewhere where I feel like the minutia meant so much. And that's yeah. how I felt. Yeah. I might be a baby too, but I liked it. I feel like if you could spend a few months in Fondiboo, you'd come back so much better of a climber. So much Technic- more well-rounded. Oh my gosh. There, That's another thing about Fondiboo I really, really liked was how insanely diverse the features were. Yeah. You go to a climbing area, like, let's try to think of somewhere close by, like you associate like Quaco tanks with like crimpy roofs, powerful crimp, like lots of crimping, right? Yeah. Von Blue, it was like, you sure you have your classic struggle of fast mantles, your slopers, but you frequently encounter like this, like insane dinos, insane, like freak boulders, like yeah. movements that you just <laughs> wouldn't see anywhere else except like a comp climbing comp comp setting. Competition. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, that was fantastic. Um, stuff that did not meet my expectations, though. Oh, shit. If, you, if
1: you're if you a French local, let's go ahead and turn down the volume <laughs> here for a couple minutes.
0: I kind of expected people in Fontainebleau to walk around with a sort of monk-like rev, reverence for the area, being aware that they are surrounded by some of the best boulders, a holy spot, a birthplace. Yes. But then it turns out you go there and then you (laughs) step into a condom (laughs) wrapper (laughs) and there's toilet paper shoved into tiny little pockets. Yeah. Talking to you, Bakuvier. You little fucking dirty little. Well. You dirty little Kuvier.
1: But but it's like, uh, no, I don't want to compare like Flagstaff Mountain and Boulder to Font, of course, but it's like, you know, Font has a lot of cross-pollination of users. So there's a lot of families having like, picnics there college students like chilling out on the weekends Mm -hmm. uh apparently
0: having sex and (laughs) pooping everywhere my (laughs) my friend who (laughs) let us borrow his pads for the week he was like oh yeah like a few weeks ago they caught like 18 people having an orgy whoa that's like a stanley kubrick (laughs) movie you go climbing and you realize that the fucking area you're standing in is most certainly a spot used for like Either just hooking up or prostitution because prostitution apparently is a big problem. And when you're driving to Bakuvia and you see a lady standing on the side of the road seemingly by herself, you're like, that's kind of weird, but I don't know what's going on. Pre- <laughs> now, the prostitution itself isn't a
1: problem. The the condoms that and, and apparently toilet paper that fall away yeah. after the act has been I just, done.
0: Yeah, I wasn't prepared for that, you know? Yeah. I, I just was like, I've never been to an area where there was fucking condoms and shit everywhere. Huh? At least was, I should was invite, ma- you should come into my backyard sometime. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that was mainly in one area. Uh, Bacuvier. Bacouvier, which is like very common. And also you, it's like dangerous. There's like signs everywhere and people are like, oh dude, don't don't leave your car unlocked here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like get, get out when it gets dark.
1: Well, you got to think like Font is 45 minutes away from one of the biggest metropolitan centers in the world, dude. Like, it yeah. is literally a suburb of Paris. I know. That's so true. So you, it's easier to forget that. Yeah. yeah. It's. T- I
0: mean, especially when you're in the forest, you're like, Paris is a million miles away. Okay, I have a request to listeners or anybody. If you know, like, if there's, like, a documentary about the history of bouldering in Blue, please send it my way because that seems so fascinating to me. Like, we went up and did, like, a v- the first V3 ever put up in the world. Yeah. And it was put up in, like, 1930s. Wow. Like, what the hell? They were climbing with mountain boots, dude. Yeah. That thing was hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris Schulte
1: has written some cool historical stuff. Really? In like rock and ice, I want to say, about the history of France. But we should pump the brakes. We should pump the brakes. Well, that's great. I'm glad you had yeah. a good trip. Yeah. That we was... could talk about this for a while. Yeah. And we should. Exactly. We should. Well, we'll, we should. Do, we'll do it privately. Dave, what did you do this week? Oh, I <laughs> also did did not go to france no no you you were no
0: no you were but you were watching the dogs of your friends who all went 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 to
1: france right so you guys went to france and my girlfriend and all of my other friends literally all of my other friends but
0: we sent you like instagram story videos yeah it was like you were there dude yeah you sent me a lot of we brought the
1: cutout uh-huh. A lot of really nice videos if you guys are having fun climbing. <laughs> Dad, this is fucking awesome. Oh, man. I totally wish you were here, but it, it's okay because we're having a great time anyway. Um, meanwhile, I was house-sitting for people in France and looking after three dogs and a cat. And one of the dog's parents wakes up for work at 4.45. The other dog's <laughs> parents wakes up for work at 5. So those dogs were awake every morning at 4.30, crawling over me <laughs> for a week at a time. I'm
0: so goddamn tired. Dave has... Yeah, Dave looks like a corpse. Thanks, right man. I know. Thanks. So this, this intro can't corpse. go... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's wrap it up, bro. Yeah.
1: So I'm glad you had a great trip. Yeah. I, thank you for asking about my really you. fun time here in Denver. I missed you.
0: I missed you too, Feedy. I had dreams we're, about
1: you. Just, just, whoa, just, whoa, buddy. So maybe eyes. we should hit the rewind button on
0: that. And you'd be standing in the corner of the uh-huh. room, the dark corner. I actually had like this weird dream. Hissing words. like a cat? I, I, had, I had sleep paralysis, and all I heard was, where are my red shoes? <laughs> no. It was really weird. Yeah, we can talk about that later. but
1: yeah. <laughs> That's horrifying, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what who do we have on? on? Um, okay, I'm yeah. I'm just <clears throat> I know, but I'm oh, Wait, are you kidding? Did, did that really happen? Yeah, that did happen. It was fucking that is weird. It's really scary.
0: Yeah, it was really scary. But I, like I said, we can talk about it later. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. On the show today, we have uh, one of the, in my opinion, one of the raddest climbers in America for the last fifteen years, maybe, yeah. maybe twelve years. That he's kind of been in the national spotlight. Rob Pism, Pism. otherwise known as
0: Piz. This dude is a savage. He. <laughs> is a savage once again we interview somebody who just mm, slaps me in the face with like realizing how lazy i am just what dedication really looks like what dedication is what he's like the avatar of so he i mean he's a
1: top he's climbed 514 sport but what he's more known for of course is putting up first ascents. Crazy first. All descents. over the well really all over the yep. world. Mm-hmm. He's got some like 200 first ascents. And desert, no joke. no joke. No joke. Scary um super uh oh what you aesthetic? like aesthetic? Yeah, so he always chooses aesthetic routes, but nice it's ponies. always you you need to take a quiver full of arrows to Correct. do his routes. So they are not they're not one trick ponies. Super varied um A lot of times in Zion, like he's one of the main first ascensionists in Zion, which is really freaking great. There's not a lot of first ascents to go up there. The other thing is he's a father. Mm -hmm. He's a husband. Mm -hmm. He is a teacher at an alternative high school um, for at-risk youth. He is the head trainer at his gym. God. And he's a professional climber. And he's a professional climber. So this (laughs) dude puts more into 24 hours and, just about any other climber on the planet, and it's crazy. Trains for like only two hours
0: yep. a once, week. Once again, you know, gotta put into perspective when you say you don't have time. Like, is it not having time or not having pa- like, yeah, like the passion?
1: <laughs> yeah, if you li- if you hold your excuses close to your heart, just stop listening to this podcast yeah, right now. It's going to be it's gonna really shatter them. You're going to be really bummed. Um, so we have Rob on He's gonna talk about First ascending He's gonna talk Talk okay. about how he like Cuts up that pie chart Of his day
0: Okay also Rob is a really Sassy and intense dude And I like it He's fucking
1: intense <laughs> So like put on your seatbelt He doesn't He doesn't Sugarcoat anything He doesn't lie He tells you exactly What's on his mind And to me That's, impression. that's refreshing That's so
0: refreshing It's hard Yeah I, I appreciate The shit out of that I need to stop swearing
1: what, why the shit, man? Why would you appreciate the shit out of it? Is it because it came with shit,
2: Yeah, I remember. I mean, again, I'll be honest. Yeah. I haven't listened to a single podcast I've been in. Yeah, no, I, to- I haven't, totally haven't that. To, I haven't listened to anyone else's podcast. I, I don't listen to them. Yeah. I'll, I'm happy to chat. And it's not like an ego thing. It's just... I don't have time to listen to a thing. I don't listen to the radio. I don't, I don't hardly get to see TV. Um, so.
1: That, yeah. That's a good thing, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, so when you're training, you're just focused purely on, on, for example, just the training, I guess. Cause a lot yeah, of people like, will tune it out and like, we'll have music on or listen to like a podcast.
2: So my philosophy is, Oh, well I had a, I had a golf coach cause I played high school golf and, he said to me, you can practice all you want, but if you practice the wrong way, then you're just ingraining bad habits. So he said to me, perfect practice makes perfect. And it made sense. Um, so if you practice training with your headphones on in the gym, and then you go out to go climb your route and you don't have your headphones on, well, you're not training properly. Like, so I guess you claim, climb with your headphones on and focus on the music when you're in the gym. And if you go outside and you have the music playing, then maybe that's what you need to do. But I I go outside to be alone and to hear the wind blow and the birds chirp. (laughs) Not listen to. No, I don't care. (laughs) Red, red jams. (laughs) No, if if I don't want my heart rate up, you know, like if I hear some of that, I'll get, you know, moving. I'll get my head bob going. And uh, I'll just my heart and adrenaline will start pumping. And the last thing I want to do is get excited when I'm on a route. I want to be as calm and collected as possible.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what like college kids get wrong. Yeah. Right? They, they study when like they're having a couple beers or something and then they're ingraining that in their brain. then they take the test and they're completely like lucid and they fuck it yeah. all up. exactly (laughs) I I might have been a little guilty of that is why I said that (laughs) so you said you played uh, I want to I want to talk about the early days a little bit because you're talking to two Midwesterners here you're from Cleveland we're both from Iowa um I want to talk a little bit about like high school athletics because not a lot of climbers nowadays do anything other than like climb which is fine um but you were like a hockey player a golfer a baseball player um, can you talk about the evolution of your sports and then how you found climbing? Cuz I mean, Cleveland isn't sure. known for world-class climbing.
2: No, it's definitely not. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was my dad skated, so I started playing hockey when I was 4 and then I didn't stop until I was done with college and I played year-round all the way up through high school pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, after those first maybe two or three seasons, it was I was on a travel team and, you know, having a good time I basically yeah I got cut because I was talking in the locker room from the uh like the double a team the local double a team and then I went and everyone was like how could you cut Robbie because everyone called me Robbie back then (coughs) and and I went and tried out for a team called the Cleveland Americans and it was totally a step above what I was doing and uh, I learned a lot you shut up and just work really hard and uh we ended up doing really well and and I played in high school and, uh, you know, hockey was what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to go to university of Vermont and play for uh, their team. And Oh man. When you're a, when you're a little scrawny six foot, you know, one sixty guy and, and you're not the best scorer on the team and you're not the best hitter on the team, but you know, you're not going to go to college and play hockey for anybody. <laughs> but, you, but you did. I, I did. I went and played club. Oh, club hockey. Okay.
1: Yeah, well, f- we started the club team at School of Mines and, and had a blast. And I played at the other college I was at, too. Hockey's intense, too. Like, when you're a kid and play because you're, like, on traveling teams, like, Americans will send their 14-year-old up to Canada to, like, go to school to play hockey, right? Yeah, they will. Jesus. They'll put them
2: in the Bruiser League, and if they make it out of that, then they probably do okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the Bruiser
1: League. So you're, you're in, uh, you're in Cleveland, you're playing hockey, you're playing golf. Um, talk about how you found climbing.
2: I found climbing. My brother, uh, got a construction management degree and I thought he was just going to move to Colorado to, to work and ski. Cause that's what he loved to do is ski, mm-hmm. but he stayed in Ohio. It was really odd to me. And, um, he ended up working for my dad who does sheet metal and one of the guys that worked for my dad, that my brother worked with, was named Joel. And Joel invited him to come. And he was a he was a real climber. He'd drive down to the New every weekend. He'd put up roots, You know, he had been climbing for a long, long time.
1: Nice.
2: And he invited uh, my brother to go climbing at a, a place called Hinkley, right outside Cleveland. And my brother, being the kind brother that he was, he's like, "Hey, you should come with us." And basically, I was hooked after that day.
0: Yeah,
2: He was one a little on. that that day at Hinkley top roping. They don't even let you lead there. Um, I was terrified and um, just enthralled with the problem solving. And I just liked the act of it. But I didn't want to hang on the rope. I didn't want to swing on the rope. I didn't yeah. like any of that. Uh, but, you know, that that came with practice.
0: Yeah, I was going to say one, one thing that's interesting about you saying that you kind of were scared of heights is uh, I was talking with Dave Wall, and he, he told me that he thought one of your strongest attributes was <laughs> your ability to just run it out and just do bold uh, leads. And I'm curious, like, you, you say you developed that skill. How did you go about developing that?
2: That particular skill? Well,
1: especially as a guy being afraid of heights.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. Well, it's different. Like if you, if I'm standing on the top of a house and I look over the edge, I'm gripped. But if I climb up the side of the house, I'm
1: not. That's weird, dude. Have you ever, <laughs> th- have you ever like, tried it's to odd. do some self-reflection on that? I don't know what it is. So if I walk <laughs> to the
2: top of the cliff, I don't want to get to the edge. I yeah. don't feel comfortable at the edge unless I have a rope on. Yeah. Uh, but if I have a rope on, I feel pretty good. Yeah. And as far as what Dave said, um, when Dave was training me a long, long time ago, um, I think the best thing I could say is that the fire inside of me was an inferno. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) I think I know what you mean. (laughs) And uh, it's certainly not that the fire, the inferno is gone. It's the inferno is separated into other directions right now. Just you know, you, I yeah. got to be dad, so I got to have a big fire in the in the dad zone, and I got to be husband, I got to have a big fire in the husband zone. Otherwise, you fail, and then you know you lose. And uh, I got to be professional as far as my job, so there's big fire there. Before it was fire between job and fire between climbing, and there was absolutely nothing else. Well, um, let's let's. Does that,
1: make yeah, oh, totally. that makes sense.
2: Yeah, totally. Makes hundred percent sense. So Let... I could I could go ahead and I had nothing to lose. <laughs> I can go to work. I can go to work with a broken leg. Who gave a crap? <laughs>
1: yeah, right. You can't walk to can play with the kids with a broken leg very easily. Yeah. Or go shopping with Jane. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so you came out to um, the School of Mines, and obviously that was when the Inferno really started with climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about those early days because another thing that Wall wanted to ask you about was you. You did the van life thing before it was cool. Talk about those two years on the road in your 20s. Like, how did that happen, and how did you make that happen, and then what did you do during those two years?
2: Yeah, so um, there was plenty of folks doing it. It just, yeah, it wasn't popular, I guess. Popular enough. Just the diehard folks did it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I finished school, and I had an engineering gig, and basically – well, not basically, on day one, I said, "I'm quitting this job in two years from this day oh, wow. <laughs> and in, and in two years, I quit that job
1: and uh, why, the why way, did you di- why did that disagree with you <clears> Oh, <throat> I hate engineering <laughs> <laughs> you got a degree, and your first day on the job, you're like, "Oh shit, I hate this
2: yes, <laughs> I, hated it. I hated it before uh, all the all the jobs that I was actually interested were not in a climbing location. So I had to take a job that I didn't give a hoot about and just know that it was not going to be the end. It was yeah. not going to be the end of me. And, um, I also worked at Bentgate at the time with the goal of, okay, I'm going to do this work and I'm either going to buy a really cool motorcycle or I'm going to go live on the road for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I said, I can buy a motorcycle anytime. So I saved up everything. And, uh, you know, I just budgeted it out. I At the time, it was, uh, what was it? 90... Oh, 2001, I think. Yeah. Okay. And I budgeted 300 bucks a month. As long as I stayed in some place for a month, I could do it for 300 bucks. For two years? Yeah. Wow, So, man. I mean, I didn't need any money. You didn't need anything. Right, yeah. Gas was still like 99 cents a gallon. And you
1: don't waste money on like
2: anything Booze and I cigarettes drink, i don't drink i don't smoke i don't do any drugs i don't have any like i don't need to buy porno magazines or <laughs> anything like that i'm all good you know like <laughs> and, and that's
1: because you already have that huge stack of porno magazines yeah. that you can always look back on huge <laughs> okay sorry anyway um, yeah so
2: i prepaid my uh phone which you know, which wasn't really a big deal because I never used it anyway. I prepaid my medical insurance because I wasn't an idiot, Damn. and uh, <laughs> went on the road. <laughs> and and my 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 goal was, what is what is Rob Pism's personal potential? Not yeah. can I become a pro? Not become can I get in the magazine? Just can I, uh, can I achieve what I want to achieve or what I believe yeah. I can achieve? And essentially. Through that whole process, I I was super systematic about it. I surrounded myself with way better climbers uh, wherever I was at. Yeah. Smart. I never uh, there was no down day, if you will. You know, I climbed hard for two days, meaning lots and lots of pitches and and yeah. trying to solve the problems the right way. And then I take my rest day. I documented my food, what I ate, and then how I performed the day after, or you know, the hours after, or the half hour after. And after two years of that, I knew what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, how long to rest, uh, how to project. And uh, I spent time on big walls. I spent time on single pitch sport routes. I spent time on trad routes. And I just, I came away with, you know, my highest on-site level and a pretty good red point level. You know, for myself, I knew mm-hmm. that I wasn't at my max, but uh, I knew that I had done a pretty good job.
1: Dude, you need you need to start talking like a supercomputer when you say that. Like I regimented all yeah. of my food. That's crazy. Yeah, I
2: mean, literally I just I was like, if I'm gonna do this, I, I you're not gonna reach your best by going at it half assed. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> well, when you said you said something that struck me. You were like, I wanna see what the full potential of you spoke in the third person. Rob yeah. Pism is. Did you have any idea like what direction you wanted your climbing to go or were you just like, I'm going to dip my toe in some bouldering. I'm going to figure out how to trad climb better. I want to sport climb. Like maybe I want to go to the big mountains. Did you have any idea? I mean, you're a young guy at this point. Did you know the direction that you wanted to focus on or you just wanted to like get your hand in everything?
2: I wanted to increase my red point level on all venues. On vert, on slab, on overhang, on crimps, on jugs, on pockets, on off with. Yeah. And with the intention of being a big wall, big wall guy.
1: Okay, so that was the end goal. Like that's where you saw yourself.
2: Yeah, I did not see myself as
0: doing six moves and calling it good. I I like that you (laughs) kind of had the, the perspective and ability to kind of also just target. It seems like your weaknesses as well. Right. Like you didn't mm-hmm. shy away from, like, I know a lot of people were like, oh, I hate overhang. I don't do that. I'm on, I'm only a slab climber, but you, you would seem like you kind of threw yourself at, uh, obstacles.
2: Well, there's, there's no big wall in the world that doesn't have slab. There's no big wall in the world that doesn't have off with, there's no big wall in the world that doesn't have, you know, insert, <clears throat> insert the style. Yeah.
1: So you have to be good at it all. So is it something about <clears throat> my question is then, I, I I think I know this question, but the answer but is it something about your personality that can accept failure when you're trying when you're trying to like perfect these skills that you need work at? Is there something in your head that can just like tune out that failure and augment it into something positive? Like, wow, I failed a little bit less today. I am super psyched because a lot of people, like Fiti said, you know, you train your weaknesses. People are grousing about that all the time at the gym at the crag, whereas you you tackle it in a different way.
2: Yeah. Put it this way. My hands are always cold and that's what I consider warm.
1: My hand... Jesus, dude. Oh. I feel like I'm in a cave with a <laughs> monk.
2: But you know what I'm saying? So, like, without without... Failure is perfectly normal. Yeah. And it's, like, the best way to learn if you're willing to... Again, be that third person and stand outside of yourself and watch yourself on a, you know, nowadays on your, on a video on your phone, Mm -hmm. watch yourself and actually identify the things that are causing failure rather than the fact that I just need to get stronger because that's the biggest bullshit answer that exists on the planet. I just need to train and get stronger. Yeah. Fuck, go fuck yourself. Why don't you learn how to climb? Learn how to move your body, and you won't need any more strength. Holy you crap. know, um, yeah. It, I get sick of hearing that because it's. I've been climbing for a long time, and I'm not really that much stronger. But damn, I keep getting better because yeah. I keep getting the details more and more correct. We've, wow. been,
0: we've been hearing this lesson a lot lately. The the focus on just climbing versus like the pursuing that I need to get stronger. Yeah. It's the same thing wall told
1: us in a way, just like, Mm -hmm. dude, there's a lot of things you don't need to do to become a better climber. And one of them is focusing on like, Oh, I just, I have to get stronger. I'm never going to do this problem. If my five millimeter half grip strength increases by five (laughs) seconds. Exactly. (laughs) So what did you learn about yourself and about your relationship to climbing after that, after those two years ended on the road?
2: So I was definitely bummed it was over, but at the same time, I wasn't ignorant to the fact that this was going to go on forever. Yeah. You know, I, I realized this was my shot to do it. You know, if I do ever get married in the future, if I do actually have a job that I, uh, that doesn't allow me that freedom to, to climb, you know, this is the shot. So, I mean, what I learned is I I, I made every single day the greatest day of my life and Mm -hmm in the end, you know, I said, okay, now I just get to make my weekends and any days off the greatest days of my life. Uh, you know, not that my job wasn't satisfying, but, you know, as far as my non-career related greatest day of my life.
0: Yeah. Damn.
1: What did you, as a guy who like, uh, I'm I'm not going to harp on this one more time after this, but as a guy who doesn't drink and doesn't smoke and you're out there in the early two thousands when like, Climbing is kind of exploding, especially on the bouldering front. It's becoming more of a mainstream sport, but you have a lot of dudes who like the rest days are like taking a toke and drinking some beer. Did you ever feel like you were an outlier in that tribe or did, were you just totally didn't even care? I didn't hang
2: out with that tribe. That yeah. tribe didn't exist. That's the tribe of like dreams. That's like watching a movie college party. <laughs> uh, I've been to college parties in the movies and none or sorry in college. And I never saw anything like what I see in the movies. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that perception that everybody's getting stoned and everybody's just boozing. Yeah. People have beer at the end of the day. Uh, but the people that I hung out with, that was not their goal. Their yeah. goal was climbing well the next day. And they did understand the concept of getting wasted. Doesn't help you. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I just, like I said, I chose to climb with people that were way better than me and I watched and I learned and we talked about, you know, solving problems, uh, on the rock and then we solved them and, or we tried our best to solve them. And, and we knew that we knew that eating was a big factor. We knew that cardio, uh, not getting your heart rate up on a route was a factor. We knew that endurance was endurance and power was power and, and mixing the two, was a different game. Uh, so, like I said, I I remove the um how do I say it in a nice way? <laughs> <laughs> I remove whatever you want to say the bullshit from my,
1: from my life. Yeah. They're not there. They're not there. Yeah, I get it, man. That's something and, you've and, carried through your your entire life.
2: Yeah, like I mean I know I did the interview with Caloose however long ago and I talked about the list. Yeah. Um, you're off the list before you're on the list. If I see you behaving in a particular way, you're off the list. Cause I know, I know the rest of you. Yeah. By just those simple behaviors. Uh, and I'll give you a quick story. Someone, I had a partner, uh, <laughs> fall down a flight of stairs <laughs> <laughs> and, um, they canceled on me and I was like, that's fair enough. It was icy. And I, I saw the picture of your knee. It's the size of a water bottle. Like that's acceptable. Yeah. Or sorry, the size of a watermelon. Um, and um, so somebody sent me a suggestion. Why don't you contact so-and-so they're on the road right now and they're not far from you and they would totally be awesome. So I called them up and, or sorry, I texted them and then, you know what the response I got was? What? Hmm. You know what? it's going to be really hard to meet up with you because, uh, that night before is a special event. And I was like, I get it. If you want to sleep in, we're not climbing together. And that was the end. I'll never climb with that person because I know their priorities are not climbing. They're, they're the enjoyment of whatever and staying up late. And that's not, that doesn't fit into my life. So I'm not even going to bother.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I listened to that interview and I was, just like Kalu said, I, I I was thinking to myself like, I wonder if I could make the list. <laughs> I don't I don't fucking know, man. It seems pretty, pretty <laughs> tough. I don't know if I'd make it. I made the gym list with you yeah. back in the day, but
2: yeah, yeah, no worries, no problem, <laughs> Dave. You might still be on the list. I dude. might be on the you list still, the list. Dave. You're not off the list. We're just living in different yeah. places now.
1: That's right. Okay. As long as I'm not off the list, there's you're telling Separ- me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah,
0: separated by time you're and space. telling me there's a chance, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Rob, you spend two years living every day to the fullest, having a blast climbing, and you know you hate engineering. So at what point did you settle on becoming a teacher?
2: Uh, so, you know, during that journey, I was also using it as my soul searching, like what am I going to do, uh, you know, What am I going to do? How am I going to pay the bills the rest of my life? Because this isn't sustainable. It's awesome. And and, (laughs) and it was right for me, uh, but it's not sustainable. And and you're not contributing to to society. Uh, You're not helping anyone other than yourself. And I think that's super lame. Uh, And, you know, when I look back at my past – my college past, even in my high school past, I was a guy who always organized what was going on. I was always, in, you know, getting people to do things or learn things that they didn't know. I was the trip leader for the, or sorry, I was a trip leader for the outdoor club at, at Mines. I was a, the, you know, we started the hockey team. I, <clears throat> I was in charge of the caving club, always instructing people on whatever it was. And uh, I was like, you know what? I think I'm a teacher,
1: And uh,
2: so on my rest days, and I don't know, I mean, I think I've said it before, but on my rest days, I would just go to the library and read. I'd go to the teaching book section and just read on education and how to be a teacher and how to lesson plan and, and how to maintain a classroom. And, uh, and so by the time I finished my road trip, I had enlisted at Metro State for a teaching license. Cause I was trying to either decide whether I should go emergency license and just try to get a job, mm-hmm. uh, without it, or just do it the right way and have a license at the end of a year. Right. And, uh, I opted to do, you know, go to school and just do it that way to guarantee a license. And, uh, when I was in that program, I was taking like a triple class load or something. And, uh, it was a joke. I was like, I already read all this. I already did all this you know on my rest days so, <laughs> so it was really easy to go through the program damn really quickly and uh and then it already matched my personality as far as explaining things uh that sometimes people don't get in a in a, in a way that they're like oh i get that and yeah. uh that's that's what i decided to do
1: wow that was a perfectly rob pism story <laughs> right there like
2: this fucking class is a
1: waste of time i yeah, did this on totally my rest days my time. Yeah.
2: I, I bought all my classes. I mean, it was a waste, but you know, I got my degree and that was that.
1: Um, So if you don't mind, I want to keep talking about it. This doesn't have to be all about climbing. I'm, I'm interested in your teaching sure. a bit. You're, you work in an alternative high school, like an R5 school. Yeah. In Junction. So you're work. are you working with adjudicated youth or at risk youth? Oh, <laughs> I work just imagine
2: high, high needs, whatever the high need is. Joe, I'll give you an example okay. uh, of the breadth of who I work with. Okay, I work on with learners who don't fit into the regular in high school. <clears throat> I fit it. I, I work with um, kids that have been to jail for stealing, for drugs, for um, life-threatening. I've worked with kids who have killed people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work with young moms. You know, sixteen-year-old girls with kids. I work with former drug addicts. I work with kids who have no parents, who are homeless. I work with kids who have extreme depression or anxiety. I've had, I work with kids who have attempted suicide. I work with kids who have been beaten, who've had uh, <clears throat> their families ripped out from them. <clears throat> I have, I work with every kid who, every kid is, um, has been, Exposed to at least three to five traumatic, major traumatic life events that have have altered their perception on life, that have altered their confidence, that have altered their uh, perception of what is possible, that have, uh, yeah, everything. uh, That's my student body.
1: Damn. Do you know, when you were in Denver, do you know uh, Ridgeway Academy that adjudicated youth alternative high school in Denver? If it was a DPS school, I'm not familiar with it. Okay. I don't know what it was. I was a counselor there. So all the kids were adjudicated in some way, uh, Mm -hmm. arsonists, rapists, um, murderers. So I lasted in that school as a counselor for just under a year. And it was Mm -hmm. the hardest job. And I mean, just frankly, like the worst job I've ever had in my life, like heartbreaking and you're never at rarely respected in any way. There's a lot of manipulation going on. However, mm-hmm. some people can do those jobs in Excel. You're one of those people. Why does, why does teaching at a school like that speak to you?
2: So this goes back to why I hate engineering. <laughs> <laughs> it always
1: does. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, engineering in my eyes, based on my schooling and based on my work was you have a set of parameters that can all be measured numerically and whatever the problem is, you just put in the numbers until you get the number you want. You get the safety factor you want essentially.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And it's easy. It's mindless. You don't need me to do it. You just plug it into it. You know, you just have, have anyone, have someone on the street, put that information in a computer and it gives the data. Um, I like real problems. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And, 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 um, that's not to say, so I don't necessarily like teaching because I like kids. I like teaching because these are real problems that change on a day to day basis. Uh, and that my solution isn't necessarily the one solution that makes it work. You know, I need a new solution every single day and with every single kid yeah. for every single situation. And I don't win every time. I, I don't win hardly half the time, but I like trying. And I like trying to get them into a position where they can be happy and, and, and have a goal and learn that it's possible to have a goal and learn that it's possible not only to have a goal, but to figure out how the steps to get there and achieve it. So that's why I like teaching. It doesn't matter what subject. It's about giving those kids who have, in their eyes, no hope of a better life than the, the one that they're experiencing or the one that they have experienced and And, to give them that opportunity, that's what I like. so i like I like real challenges. and in, in engineering, in my at least the engineering I was doing was not much of a challenge.
0: well, as someone who was you said was concerned with giving back to society, I feel like you really hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <good. laughs> you, you did
1: it. Good job dude. Um, do you understand, too, what you just said? like i and first of all, I admire yeah, it. That's and it fantastic. like having worked in that environment takes a special person to do that so i admire what you're doing but switching it back to climbing do you understand how like what exactly what you just said over the last two minutes dovetails like perfectly with first ascending in like the desert
2: oh yeah (sighs) that's crazy crazy it's your personality yeah it's it's someone asked me actually not too long ago um why i like to do that and it's it's all about the problem you know i i don't do a first descent to be the first as far as like number 1 i do it to be the person who figures it out and puts the work into it uh-huh so i don't yes it's nice to be like first descent of whatever by you know pism but it's more about the journey it's less about <clears throat> the uh and the journey and about the problem solving and then obviously me overcoming the the problems physically and mentally But it's, it's, it's just, it's about that. So going and repeating roots is, is just super boring. It's, it's more just about repeating roots is just to find out if I can climb that grade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but establishing roots is about figuring it out and putting the work in and spending those hours on the wall and hand drilling if you're in a national park or power drilling if you're not in a national park or (laughs) figuring out the places and and, you know what the placements and all that good stuff and where's the best belay and how does this line really need to look you know what's going to make it fun
1: yeah i'd like to dig into that a little bit like what does it take for a potential route to capture your attention and lead you to walk away from like your dozen other projects that you've already scoped out like what is that special line that consumes you? What does it take for that to kind of consume your one weekend a month sometimes that you get? Yeah.
2: Sometimes it's timing. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. So, you're like, well, I can work on this, this time of the year, you know, for example, or I could, um, you know, so middle of summer it blows hiking anywhere. Right. Cause it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to work on single pitch things that are closer. But when this, when on the shoulder seasons, like end of winter, just beginning of spring, I'll go ahead and, and hang on a big wall all day with a big jacket on and freeze my butt off because it's way better than sweating your butt off. Yeah. <laughs> my, right. You don't need so much water in the winter. Um, yeah. So a big part of it is timing. And then there's a certain energy level you need to have to finish, to start something and then finish something. And you don't have that all year long. So I have to just be up for it. And usually at this point, I'm up for one big wall per year. (laughs) And if I'm super stoked, a second one. And if, you know, everything, if if the time permits and the weather permits. But literally, I try to do one
1: per year. But what about it captures you? Like, what's the decision-making process outside of timing that you're like, that's my goal that's Uh, the one it's
2: it's it's the aesthetics yeah it's the possibilities it's the possibility of what is up there i'm looking for i'm always looking for something that i can show to some random person on the side of the road if if you saw this picture would you go oh my gosh that's what i'm looking for i like variety i i'm i'm sick of like i i spent probably a thousand days at indian creek And I say that with pride and with (laughs) patheticness also. Like it's pathetic (laughs) to spend that much time there because you're climbing, you're doing the same move over and over. And I hate that. But you've got to be able to do it to climb a big wall. Right. So, like, I I logged my hours. I'll never go there again. You know what I mean? I just don't care about it because I have the skill. You know what I I learned and, and refined the skill by going there and just hounding out roots uh, <laughs>
1: so, you make it sound um, like a miserable experience just a wow, pow, wow. grinding away
2: but but that's how you get your skill for all those the sizes you need to work um so when i find a big wall that provides off with fingers hands overhanging uh slab that's the kind of root that intrigues me not one that is the same move over and over and over again right now that being said moonlight buttress is still one of my most favorite roots oh yeah it's fingers the whole way up that's just incredible uh but i don't those types of roots uh, it's really hard to find anymore like they just haven't been and what i really like is variety and uh what also makes a five-star root for me is non-hanging belays <laughs> oh yeah right yeah no put up
1: put up more belows, of those for sure
0: did you did you have, like, a moment where you realized, I guess, that, like, just repeating or trying to chase numbers was definitely not the path you wanted to take and discovering more FAs? Like, what was that? Was there a moment, or did you kind of know all along that you were like, oh, I'm more interested in finding my own mm. kind of projects?
2: Uh, I think, I mean, honestly, there was the partial grade chase. Uh, you know, at the time in the 90s and early 2000s 514 still meant something um right and at that time all i wanted to do i you know my satisfaction came from the fact that i got there yeah i got there on trad i got there on sport and i got there in a variety of ways on each of them Mm -hmm. and once i reached it i think a lot of people are like well i got a now i'm gonna get b now i got b now i'm gonna get c Like my end goal, my end game was to be able to do it and to be able to climb upper 13s in every venue because that's all I wanted to do on the big, I don't need to go any higher. I just, I didn't need it because I, I, I was going for the grade, but I didn't like, that wasn't the end of the game. That was just like, get there. And then you're going to be able to see sequences on walls that you didn't see before that are possibilities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah when you have a high level of ability on multiple facets and in venues you can go put up a route and find a way to have it go free right uh, that that was all i wanted so i never pushed for anything beyond 14 minus because i didn't care i don't care i'm impressed by people who have and you know 15 whatever that's fucking great <clears throat> yeah but i don't i don't care and i'm not even like i don't you know, beat my chest about the fact that I was able to do it at some point in my career. I, I just know that it was what I felt the stepping stone to be able to go ahead and do what I really wanted to do, which was just put up roots that are fun and that are aesthetic.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, just like everything, it seems like everything in your climbing career was at the top of a funnel, right? And it was all being funneled into one end goal. And mm-hmm. that's how can I use this? on a fun first ascent and anything that didn't fall in that funnel, you were like, fuck it. I'm totally fine. I don't need it.
2: Yeah. I, I don't need to be able to do, you know, like seven mono moves in a row. It, you know what I mean? Like for a, whatever route like that doesn't serve any purpose in my head. Um, so I won't, that's not a fun route for everybody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Some people, not. it's
2: their bag and it's amazing and I'm super psyched, but I, I don't need to do it and I don't feel bad that I can't do it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Not many desert towers have seven (laughs) monos go into the chains there.
2: (laughs) No, not, not so much, but still, I mean, I like, you know, I do, I put up tons of granite stuff and you know, it's like the desert's just what I guess I'm most known for. I I like it all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I don't mean to say you're only in the desert.
2: Um, Speaking of that, just side note, I just put up this thing that's kind of a tower, but not really a tower.
1: That sounds like like all towers.
2: Um, (laughs) But I put up a 180-foot aret uh, that's all – it's it's bolted since there's, there's no crack. Uh, and it is super cool. Like, I'll, uh, I'm will i going to be getting – I had it shot already. Alstron shot it uh, with video. And uh, we'll release it here shortly. Where? And you'll be like, oh, my gosh, out in Moab area. Cool. Holy shit. It's, uh, it's a really nice one. I, I've been looking for something like Excommunication or Ivory Tower for – 10 years for like a really cool arette route. And and this thing is the money. And it's at a bargain grade. So it's 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 mostly five eleven climbing with just two sections of five twelve. And uh it's all bolted, so it's it's kind of like an every man's arette tower route, pseudo tower route. Oh my
1: god, that sounds amazing,
2: dude. <laughs> when you when you see the images, you're gonna you're gonna shit. <laughs> uh, arette climbing again. is again. my
1: favorite climbing.
2: Actually, Dave, I'll actually tell um when I get to my phone because I'm on my computer right now. When I get to my phone, I'll send you some images, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, please, please do. do. Yeah, for sure. Woo! Okay. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna try to slow down my heart rate. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go back to some life stuff. I I I kind of want to talk about you know you kind of find teaching and you've had your road trip and you, you're kind of trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, and then you meet Jane, and you get well, married. Is yeah,
2: that yeah? Well, let me go back. Yeah. Cause there's one thing you haven't heard me say that I made an active, another active decision. I made an active decision when I turned 20 to give the next 10 years of my life to climbing.
1: Okay. That's when I knew you like, yeah,
2: that was the fire. That was the lay Inferno, right? Yeah. I remember. Um, and literally there was going to be nothing that would prevent me from going climbing every weekend and every, every vacation and every day after work to train or to be on the rock. Um, so from twenty to thirty, there was no other thing. There was no one and there was no other thing. Um, so what are you doing
1: the, for it? Were you teaching at this time?
2: Uh well I mean twenty I fi- I was finishing college. Uh I went on the road, I went back to school to get my license. Uh huh. And then I was I was still teaching. I mean, yeah, I started teaching at like twenty five ish, or sorry, twenty seven, I think. Right. Twenty seven, twenty eight.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm starting to remember the time I remember you being in the gym after school and then just like crushing Clear Creek all the time. That's like when I knew you, you were going crazy. Yeah. The
2: CCM, remember? Oh,
1: yes. (laughs) All right. So carry on. Sorry.
2: Yeah. So after 30, uh, I was like, okay, I did my 10 years of like fully just committing to this. Uh, I'm willing to go ahead and open myself up to other things and other people now. Um, so I met Jane after I moved back from Europe where I was teaching in mm-hmm. Austria. Right. And uh, yeah, guy fell in love. We fell in love and she was the one. She's the one.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations yeah, on that. It, congratulations. it was sweet. Yeah. Another send. <laughs> Another send.
2: Yeah. No, and that- it was, it was, it was cool. You know uh, I'm no smooth operator for, you know, (laughs) 30 years in the hole with basically, you know, not doing too much. And, um,
1: what a lucky gal.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you know, it took took me multiple weeks to, to, to say hi to her and you know, all that good stuff. And
1: yeah, that sounds about right. Um, pretty slow. Well, shit. I was going to ask you like, how did your life Change, like in, in what ways did it change? But it seems like at 30, you were, you knew it was going to change and you were ready for it to change. Just because you're ready for it to change
2: doesn't make it easy, but yes.
1: Okay. 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 <laughs> so how did things change after you guys got married and, and you had Rowan first? Uh, is that right? Okay.
2: Yeah. Rowan's the older.
1: Okay. So how, um, I mean, at this point you're a sponsored climber, you're a professional athlete, uh you obviously have to dedicate all that time to your passion and your sport and this like side career of climbing. Um how did things change, man? How did how did you manage it? How did you handle it?
2: Uh you know, knowing that I was going to back off from you know 150% down to 75%, mm-hmm. in my mind I knew it would, you know, that's what I had to do or but it was, it was hard, you know, I'll be honest. It, I felt like I didn't climb anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and that, and that was certainly a challenge and I had to work through it. And, um,
1: did you go through like a, and I don't mean you resent Jane or you resent your son, (laughs) but did you go through like a resentment phase where you're like, you know, these decisions are stealing one of my passions away from you? Or, Or did you have to go through that kind of rocky road in your own brain? Uh,
2: it wasn't, it wasn't resent. It was just like, this is what I want. I want to, uh, have a life partner. Mm-hmm. I want to, uh, have a family. And in order to do it as a professional athlete, on top of it, it's just, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to just accept the fact that you have less time. you Here's another analogy for you. Have you ever had a project that required perfect temps, uh, no moisture, you know, and you could you you were you're able to make the time to go ahead and be there on that day or Mm -hmm. those two hours of the day? Yes. Okay, that's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Right, 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 right. Eliminate that project from your life, Uh, and I had to just learn how to re reshape my dreams and goals that were climbing related does that make sense
1: yeah yeah absolutely. so you're saying that so the act of walking away was like a learned process for you
2: for sure and and you have to at least for me i had to say okay i'd like to project that or or try to open that up as a route but that just doesn't fit into the program yeah and I'm okay with that, even though I'd like to. And it's like it's right there, and no one's going to do it because they're too lazy. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: and uh, event, you know, i I've, it took me ten years to accept that. How about I'm, I'm married ten, eleven years now? So it's taken me uh, ten years to figure out how to choose properly.
1: <laughs> oh man,
2: maybe maybe five, eight years. Right.
1: Well, now, so you have the kids and, mm-hmm. and your wife is a Jane's a competitive runner as well. You already said she qualified for the Boston marathon. So you guys have to divvy your spare time between the two of you. You have to get in your training. She has to definitely get in her training. How mm-hmm. does, how does, I mean, I know you're going to say I have a plan and I went, <laughs> have it written out of my refrigerator, but tell me how you guys came to an agreement and a system that works for y'all. Cause that's super instructive for, anybody who has a busy life.
2: Yeah. I mean, you have to respect each other's, uh, non work or even if it's work related, you have to respect their goal. Um, and just understand that time is the factor and, and how do you, how do you make it work with what, what's necessary? So, you know, it started with me being like, well, we got to buy a treadmill. Cause if you need to get in a certain amount of runs, we need to be able to do it at the house, yeah. you know, So, and she had to, she likes to run outside a lot. So it's like the compromise there is she's got to run inside a little bit to get her training right? or you know, in, in the case of sometimes a lot, um, <laughs> my, you know, for me, my training, you saw me, I was in there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for three to four hours. Yeah. Uh, training you know, from doing circuits and then doing roots or, or roots only, or then roots and then bouldering, whatever.
1: And you and Wall uh, beating and each other up.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. then what has it turned into now? It's like two hours a week.
1: Wow. Two hours a week of training period.
0: Pretty much. Damn. All right. But you're able to maintain so much, right?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm smart about it. I, I learned from coach.
1: Which coach? Dave wall, my man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is like an infomercial for wall. I'm going to be, wall. I'm going to be calling him for some money after this <laughs> conversation.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we figured out over time is when I when you know, like I knew Dave, you, you knew Dave when I knew him before and we climbed together and we hung together, I finally came to him the one day and I said, all right, I'm plateaued. I can't break through this, this lumber and this ladder. Yeah. What do we got to do? And he's like, all right, you got to do it my way. And I was like, whatever. So I did it his way and then my way on top of his way. <laughs> That's kind of passive
1: aggressive, dude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I went to, I got invited. I was training for logical progression because I wanted to get the first free ascent of it in Mexico. And um, because my buddy had put that route up, it's that 3,000 foot long sport climb. In Portrero? Ooh. And, uh, no, it's down in Copper Canyon in, near Chihuahua.
1: Oh, no kidding. Okay, cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I trained for it with Dave. That was my first cycle or two. I went there and I was so overtrained because I did mine on top of his. I climbed like ass. Um, I was just too tired during that trip. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it your way. You know, you got to do it wrong in order to do it right. Sure. And, um, I was still naive and then I did it his way and then boom, it was a no brainer. Less is more.
1: Okay, so if less is more, you're an expert at that with two hours a week. <laughs> tell, tell me about those two hours. Well, how do you split that pie chart?
2: Uh, Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> well, let, sorry, let me make – I'll clarify. It's more like, it's more like three. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you just fucking sandbagger, dude. <laughs> no,
2: That's how no, you stay I, so strong. I Tuesday, I do um, 30 minutes of circuit training. And 30 minutes of climbing specific and one hour of roots in the gym. Okay. And then Thursday I do 30 minutes of circuit training and 30 minutes of climbing specific. And if I'm lucky, I get a treadwall session unless Mm -hmm. someone asks me to do a fucking podcast on Thursday night Ah. when I'm the tread
1: (laughs) treadwall. I I don't I if the if that's aimed at us, sir. Right? This is
0: climbing specific right. training, Rob. Yeah, And dude. then uh,
2: and then I did uh, sorry. And then I would only do forty minutes on the tread wall, but that's not as regular as I would like it to be.
0: You have one at home, of course. Wow. <laughs> Jane's got the tr- uh, treadmill. You got the tread wall. Makes sense. Exactly. Hey, it probably helps too that your your friends and climbing partner is uh, Mike Anderson of the. Yeah. Yes. Of the rock climbers ma- uh, training manual, which is, yeah. uh, which emphasizes having like the ability to create training regimens for like small windows of time. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Were you, were you one of the Guinea pigs or, uh, or, or how did, were you involved with that kind of training?
2: <laughs> uh, so this is, this is an interesting thing. Mike and his brother, Mark, were doing their thing at the same time that uh, Dave and I were basically helping evolve his business. Uh, I was the guinea pig for Dave. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, he came up with all this stuff and we started testing and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and then trying to, you know, build those weaknesses. And I think, you know, Mike and his brother are both engineers, very analytical, very prescribed. And, uh, this is just something that they did their whole, their whole life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, sim, I guess, similarly to me, but times a thousand (laughs) Jesus. So Mike would do his thing and I would do my thing with Dave and we both perform the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we, you know, we go establish those big walls together and we both, we would both have our strengths and weaknesses. Like maybe he would get certain pitch to lead and I'd be able to follow it and vice versa. Um, And I'd have a certain pitch that he wasn't as good at, but in the end we were both able to, you know, if we played chess, we'd tie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mike really wanted to just reach his personal potential and just was like, all right, I have to specialize and specialize in this way. And boom, he climbed, you know, some of the hardest grades in the States. Yeah. And so, same thing with Mark. And it was just awesome to awesome to watch. Um, it was really cool.
1: Oh, that's badass. I, I have a training question that you told me many years ago. And I'm gonna see if you remember this. You wrote on your blog, I mean, maybe <laughs> a decade ago, maybe a little less, that you met Tommy Caldwell in Mexico uh-huh. and how that meeting like changed your climbing life or your perspective. For I sure, was, I, remember I was. That. Wa- yeah, can you share that story? Because I don't remember it. Sure.
2: Uh, essentially, I was at 99. I went to Kurt Smith's for the 99 2000 uh, Potrero party. I mean, not so much for the party, but just to go to Potrero because he made it sound so awesome. Yeah. and um, The infamous I remember, party. I've, yes, the infamous party. <laughs> I rolled down there, uh, took a, I think I took a cabin from Monterey Airport, and they dropped me off at Kurt's place, went and had dinner with Kurt, and then uh, proceeded to burn through four pairs of shoes in a month. Because I climbed so many routes there. Holy crap. <laughs> and uh, at the end of my trip, when I was just about out of my shoes, I uh, Tommy and his dad came in and they came down for, you know, just to go climb. And he was like, oh, his dad was like, this is the first time we're not together as a family for, for Christmas. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of neat. Kind of, you know, you'd think that people are together during Christmas or whatever. Yeah. Or that he just travels all the time and he's never home. And, um, you know, he was a quiet guy then. I think he's probably still pretty similar. I I don't get to talk to him too much anymore. And uh his I I asked he I didn't really talk to Tommy too much. I got to ride in the van with him. We went to a place called the cool, Gada- cool Degato, the the cat's ass, I think it's called. And <laughs> I watched him on site some 13 plus or 14 hours. I was like, wow, this guy's the real deal. Not that I <laughs> you know, not that I didn't know he was the real deal, but when you see the real deal, you're like, Whoa.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure.
2: And uh, I just talked to his dad a bunch and I said, you know, what did, how did he get so good? He's like, I trained him. Uh, and he talked about some of the things he did. And I was, it, it, climbing was a recreational sport that I was passionate about at the time. It wasn't a sport. Mm, okay. And when I talked to Mike about it, you know, Tommy's dad, he reminded me that this is a sport.
0: Right. And
2: if you want to excel at this, you train. And I was I just thought about my hockey experience. I don't know how many times, how many hours I, I stood in the, my backyard shooting hockey pucks at the back of my house off a piece of metal. Forehand, yeah. backhand, wrist shots, slap shots, snapshots, over and over and over. You know, I don't know how many times I pitched into a tarp in my backyard over and over. You know, it's like you don't get better because you just recreationally try it that's exactly right you get better when you take what you need to do and you refine the heck out of it until you don't even have to think it just happens um and when i when i you know talked to mike that trip in 99 it was just like oh okay that's easy
1: and that's when it all clicked for you
2: that's when that's when yeah that's when i actually was like okay you have to go to the gym
1: you know (laughs) yeah this can (laughs) be scientific as well as leisurely like i can have fun and also
0: train my ass off like learn to get better
1: right wow that's awesome
0: it's funny how simple stuff like like that seemingly simple stuff like that can like trigger like oh yeah like i didn't even think of it that way and Mm -hmm. i don't know
2: well it's just like you know pilots what do they do they watch the birds where where's the air flowing you know Watch the gliding birds. Watch the clouds. That's what tells you what's going on. You know, you have to open up your mind and be willing to just, again, I, I said this, look in from the outside and see what you're missing or what you're doing right.
1: Yeah, you're often missing. I mean, it's um, it's ironic, but you're often missing the simplest shit possible.
2: Uh, especially because guess what? You got to get stronger, dude. You're just too weak. <laughs> yeah, dude. And mm-hmm. I also
1: got to, I'm not tall enough either. So I just need yeah. to grow a couple more inches. Then I'll be stronger. Mm-hmm. Sharma. Yep. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about something we talked about on the phone here. Um, I'm, we're not going to keep you too long because I know you got to hit the sack. But uh, um,
2: yeah, I'll live.
1: Okay. <laughs> so uh, you got a little sponsorship news. What What happened with Arcteryx?
2: Oh, I mean, I, I got dropped this year which is you know i'm not mad or spiteful it's just a- after 12 years of somehow um staying in the game in from their perspective it, it's just kind of it's it's my first big change you know i'm still i still have my other sponsors which is totally cool and i'm super psyched on um camp and sterling and scarpa mm-hmm. and jubo but um and treadwall i mean i work with Treadwell. that's why i have one um <laughs> <Hell> <laughs> nice. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just kind of one of those things that, you know, I'm 42 years old. Uh, I'm not hip. I'm not cool. I'm not Instagram famous. This is not a self-help show,
1: Rob. uh,
2: But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't have, uh, that sparkle in my eye. I'm super honest. I'm super direct. Plenty of people probably think I'm a total dick, um, because I say what's on my mind and I do what I say and I say what I do. Um, and people don't like that most of the time. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's just part of the journey. I've just am super appreciative that I got to ride along for so long. Um, and, and surprised that I made it that long.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a run. our Ar- 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 Architects is a great company, but it, th- I kind of wanted to segue that, um, into like getting older, man. Like, you're 42. Yeah. There are young guns everywhere. You, you, you obviously see the, now I, I'm saying this because it's a trope, the ravages of age. I know you're in great shape, <laughs> but I mean, you are as a professional athlete, you're, you're in your 40s, you're going to have to fight back kind of the rigors of aging. Is that something you think about and you tailor your training to, um, to kind of keep that at bay? I mean, yeah. I, I'm 44, man. So, like, I yeah. struggle with it as well. I mean, you've already lost your hair. It's dude. None of no. D- <laughs> I don't know why you had to fucking say that. <sighs> this is a podcast. Nobody can see me. <laughs> oh, dang, Rob just
0: went for blood.
1: Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? Let me get this knife out of my back real quick.
2: Um. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's certain. Uh, there's certain types of training I can't do in high volume because I just feel terrible afterward like what do you mean? Uh, uh, lots of lock-off style work. hmm My elbows will definitely hurt um, With the exception also, here's this with the exception of breaking my back on Arcturus in in Yosemite Yeah, uh, I've never had a climbing injury. Wow. Oh my god. I'm gonna
1: knock on some wood here real quick. Ah, uh, good for you. I mean, broken back is like... That's <laughs> that, worth that's worth like seven broken yeah, legs.
2: But but I don't even, like, I really... I mean, I broke my back because I fell and because I shouldn't have been climbing that day. I was too tired. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was a decision that I should have just been like, no, I shouldn't go and try this right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, I, and this goes back to the whole... You know, I'm not trying to be better than anyone else, which is why, you know, it's just awesome watching all the young kids go and do everything. I, it, it's like I've been saying for a long time once the actual good climbers start climbing big walls, I'm obsolete. And guess what? The good climbers started climbing big wall, <laughs> yeah. and I'm obsolete. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. take all the people who can climb 14 plus 15A and put them on a 512 big wall route. They don't even blink, it's easy. It's a joke. Put them on a 513 with a couple 13s. They do them first try. It's a joke. Um, What Mike Anderson and I were doing back in the day was impressive because nobody good was doing it, with the exception of Tommy, pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, a handful of others. You know, you had the Hoobers. Yep. But you didn't have regular Joe Schmo doing it, or at least they weren't. You know, there was obviously the small population of folks doing it, but – um, for whatever reason, we ended up getting pressed for doing it.
0: Hey, I, I, I think there's so, some credit due to you guys for having the vision, you know? I feel like a lot of people are pretty satisfied following the chasing grades, but you guys were doing something a little unorthodox, and I think that's that deserves a little bit of, a little bit of credit. Fuck
2: yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> people people will go and do two of our routes in a day.
0: Both points today. are valid.
2: Or three of our routes in a day. Because they're that much better, and again, I'm psyched that they're that much better. Um, I'm just happy I can go put a root up.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that for a second. Who are some of the younger climbers out there that inspire you? Like, do you, uh, none.
2: You... there's none. None. I don't care. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read the magazine anymore. I don't like follow anyone because I'm like, wow, what are they doing? You know, like I'm friends with the wide boys. So I follow them because they're goofy yeah, and they're fun. Like they're fun people. Um, and they, they're just out there to have a good time and try hard. And they're super specific about what they want to do. Very similar to me. Yes. But like, there's no ego in those dudes. Um, there's no like again beating their chest about how awesome they are. They're just out there trying hard and having a good time. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't like I, I just don't care. Like
1: <laughs> No, I totally get it. You just yeah. it's not a part of your life is like following climbing news.
2: And and I'll tell you like who who's been my like person who I've tried to emulate, I would always say it's like Tommy as far as, you know, he was awesome sport climber. Again, I'm not as awesome as him. I'm awesome as I wanted to get. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Sandstone, granite, all venues. Uh, you know, I haven't delved into the alpine uh, too much. Just tiny, tiny bits. I've ice climbed a bit, but you know, I don't. Again, I don't care about it, so I'm not trying to be a master of it. Um, but yeah, like just his performance across the board is what I went for. I was like, I want to be across the board and all around rock climber. I don't want to be a one-trick pony.
1: Hey, I had that written down in my notes. <laughs> is it Rob? Doesn't want to be a <laughs> one-trick pony. It's somewhere in those notes point. I'm looking at right now. <laughs> um, so, uh, what is what's in the future? Like, what what are some of your goals? Like at entering into the fifties, you know, the rest of your forties. What are some of the projects that you like makes you salivate?
2: I haven't found uh, them yet. Right. Okay. Just the thought of having the time to put into one. So if I say I get two weeks over the summer, what am I going to do? Well, I'm not going to go out of the country anymore because I don't have Arc'teryx paying for it. All right. So that makes me say, where can I go in the United States to establish a big wall that I want to go? And that's going to be somewhere I haven't gone. Right. So that's what makes me excited to have that opportunity.
1: Fuck yeah, man.
2: But but I will say there's there's been a part of me probably for the fa- past five years that has wanted to uh, establish like a an adult pism climbing camp. Um, I would sign up. My wife went to a running camp two years out in new England, you know, a long time ago. And she was like, it's so fun. You know, we stay in, in these cabins <laughs> and we have a nutritionist come in and talk about the running diet and they cook us these really good, healthy meals. And, uh, obviously you can't run all day. So you have these other activities you can do. And then we have pro pro runners come in and do slideshows and then they study our run and our stride. And then they give you a plan. And I was like, well, shoot, that's what I do. Like I've, you know, after learning from Coach Dave Wall, all those years, like I ran and I trained, uh, I don't know, lots of climbers. Uh, and I wouldn't, the way I did it was, I wouldn't train you unless you passed my interview for being worth training.
0: <laughs> Holy <laughs> like, shit, man. That's
1: intense.
0: Makes sense. Um,
2: and um, because I don't want to waste my time putting in the effort to figure out the solution for you. And I, because I don't want you to be like, I'm not going to follow through with this. And anybody who I've trained will go ahead and say, yes, he definitely talked to me a bunch to make sure I would do this. Um, I interview them and then blah, 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 blah. Um, my goal was not to have you on the hook with me for years and years. My, my goal was to go ahead and give you the tools to go ahead and create your own proper training program.
1: Yeah. Give, Um, give you the arrows to stick in your quiver.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, that maybe meant two cycles with me and then you're on your own. Um, and, and that's typically how I'd work it. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that, that's, that's fun. I liked doing that, but I don't have time for it anymore. People ask me to train them all the time. I'm like, I don't have time. I'm sorry.
1: Aren't you still training at the gym though in, uh, Grand Junction? You're the head, like yeah, head, head trainer. I'm the,
2: I'm the head trainer there, <laughs> but I don't create programs for anyone
1: anymore. Like specifically.
2: Yes. You I run. I run training classes that I write. Uh, oftentimes those mesh with my particular projects. <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to say that out loud. But hey, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows it at my gym. They're like, oh, you're working on this right now, huh, Rob? Um, because they're like, we've been doing a lot of this particular type of exercise. <laughs> hmm.
1: Hey, yeah. got to be time efficient. I saw on Instagram you were doing a dynamic movement class so does that tell me that yeah. you got a uh, dynamic movement on one of your projects
2: no that was just power <laughs> some of the folks i work with have no they don't have that explosiveness so you just have to start somewhere sure so yeah that was that was we had done so much crimping and lock off type movement and and body transitions in the beginning of the, the day i was like we need big moves and we need to fly uh so we were doing uh just doing a little bit of dino training
1: all right, let me ask. Uh, let me ask one more question, real quick. It kind of we got off track. I, I kind of want to focus on getting older, but not only oh, that. Yeah. Not only that. I'm just saying you started doing the move outside 365 challenge this year, which means you do oh, something yeah. outdoors every single day. Was that spawned from like, oh, this is going to be a cool idea, or was this spawned from you saying like? I want to keep my body in good shape. This sounds like fun. And I can like show people how to be outside every single day. Well, uh, why did you choose that? I chose it
2: because I hated seeing my high school kids f- so focused on their phone.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And I was like, the time you put into your phone every day is hours.
1: Yep. Yeah, it really is.
2: And and I'm going to go ahead and, and run two miles a day which is taking me 15 minutes, like basically get outside and do something. Right. Put your, damn, put your damn phone down. And, um, that, that's what it stemmed by. And then after I started, uh, I basically, you know, I was, and then I got dropped by Arcteryx and it was like, well, I'm not going to Europe this summer, uh, to go climb in the Dolomites, which is my favorite thing other than Zion. Uh, I was like, well, what can I do? Wait, my legs are getting really strong and my cardio is really good. So I will, uh, as long as the snow melts, I will try a giant link up of mountains, uh, of untrailed connecting peaks this summer. How's that sound?
1: Oh, sounds (laughs) fucking great, man. It
2: it, it will be heinous and it's going to be one of those (laughs) as fast as possible type things. So uh, I have a giant objective, Uh, I have a partner already lined up. I have another partner who will probably join in. uh, And, uh, yeah, it's going to be terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But memorable for sure. Yes, very memorable. The pain is memorable. (laughs) It sounds right up your alley, dude. Yeah, suffering. (laughs) Well, you were talking about your kids. Uh, So do your students, do they kind of know who you are and what you are?
2: Every I, once in a while, someone looks up on the internet, and they're like,
1: "Hey, Raw, hey, Mister Pism, you're on the internet."
2: <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, that's great." No, they they don't really know, and I don't no. tell them. I don't care.
0: Yeah.
1: No, but I mean, kids always. You're a fit guy, and so I'm sure they like look you up. I mean, every kid today looks up their teachers, and I when they see you, like, "Holy shit!" Our teacher is a professional climber. I was wondering if you had any feedback from these guys, and like, if you can leverage that into like fostering their dreams and things like that you know
2: yeah i mean i'll i'll use it as far as goal setting and achieving you know i've I've set lots of goals and i've been pretty successful over my life of of achieving things i don't achieve everything i try um but yeah i can go ahead and, and talk about the fact that here i got here because of those steps but i i don't ever kind of hit them over the head with a hammer you know and say i'm i made it So, you got to do what I say. It's more like if I give them little tidbits and they find reasons to respect me, uh, then when they hear that I am a pro athlete, they respect me even more, type of things, you know? So, through my professionalism, through my care, through my being on time, through my being prepared, through my, uh, you know, trying to be innovative and caring for them uh, respect me for those things. And then on top, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm not only a teacher, uh, you know, someone will go ahead and ask me what I did over the week and I'll say I did this and then I'll show them pictures. They'll be like, you're insane, you know, or yeah, yeah. something like that. And I'm like, Oh no, this is just what I do. You know, this is what I like to do. It's like reading a book or going in skateboarding or whatever you like to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can humanize yourself to a kid, especially troubled when you're a teacher, because oftentimes the, times those kids look at you like an automaton, right? Like it's only a teacher. They don't have any life outside. I mean, it, it, they're kids. Yeah. That's what they think. So it, it's, I'm sure it's a nice little asset to be like, man, you guys can be whatever you want. You can have different jobs, you can excel and then still go to a day job. I, I just think it's a great tool to like inspire your kids to me. Sure.
2: No, it. it like I said, it, it's just, I don't just hammer them with it. If when someone finds out, we talk about it.
1: You you but, don't say, you fucking know who I am, buddy. Do you no. know who I am? <laughs> you know what I've yes. done?
2: <laughs> All right, do you know, brother. Do you know, like, fifteen years ago, I put up an R-rated
1: route? <laughs> they're like, they're what? like,
2: I don't know what you're talking. Is, that, is I'm, They're like, is that sex? <laughs> yeah, is like, sex on the wall.
1: Does it have to do with your stack of <laughs> porno magazines under your desk, Mister Pism? Um. All right, dude, we're going to let you go. We'll let you go to sleep. I got to go to sleep too. Um, But man, so nice to talk to you again after all these years. For sure. I know I'll be in uh, Denver in July,
2: July 14th. (laughs) Oh, right on. Let's go climbing. Yeah. Water world on the 13th. (laughs) Sick. Okay. Scoping out the face. (laughs) Got to take the kids to the water world. And then uh, there's some, uh, I don't know. There's some podcast my kids want to see. Oh really? It's called uh, my wife. I, I don't know what it is. I haven't heard it. My wife plays it for him. It's called like Wow Pop Up or something like that. Oh, oh cool. awesome, man! <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard it. Have you no. heard of it? Yeah, me neither. No. But it's like this this thing for creative and kid. I don't I don't know. It's something about kids and science and being creative, and they have all these activities and fun things you're supposed to be able to do while they're doing the podcast, or I don't know. Uh, but we're gonna go check it out. Cool, dude. Maybe so you can catch cool. your
1: first Rockies game, too.
2: I have seen a Rockies game, but yeah, maybe if there's one that weekend, we might be able to get one. Dave yeah. needs
0: someone to go with him. Yeah, no, yeah. nobody likes baseball, but I know. <laughs> it's hard to sit down that long.
1: Oh, you're insane. It's perfectly acceptable and normal to sit down that long for <laughs> numerous games every single day.
2: I will say, when right before we moved to the Western Slope, that was when the Rockies were really good ten, eleven 11 years
1: ago yeah like two when they made the World Series around o seven. and
2: yeah, we yeah.
1: saw the game that got him into the World Series. no the
2: yeah right, right in the Rocky Stadium because it was literally my wife lived in the apartments right across the street.
1: That was the Matt Holiday slide where he like ripped up his chin. I was sitting far away, but I'm sure that happened. Yes, (laughs) it it did. Trust me, it did. It's seared into my baseball memory.
2: Actually, Um, I'll tell you, it was that game that I realized I needed glasses because I couldn't read the scoreboard uh from the other side of the stadium.
0: (laughs) So fucking that must have funny. been a
2: weird game. That that's
1: your takeaway from that amazing game. You're like, you know, the, the the most important thing I realized from that game is I need to go to the optometrist. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, dude. Well, um, thanks for sitting down with us, man. Yeah, it was nice to meet yeah, you. Yeah, no worries. Ron. Yeah, and when but, you yeah. when you get to Denver, just uh, give me a call, dude. I'd love to see for you for sure. And send me those pictures of that erect. Oh, I'll,
2: I'll send them to you right now. Awesome. And then you're going to be like, "What?" Fuck. I'm going to say, yes. "Yeah, this is for real." <laughs> what? All right, <laughs> I want some coordinates too. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll give you I'll send you the topo. All right. Cool. And Fidi, good to meet you. Yeah, good
0: to meet you, Rob. Thank you so much. Yeah, have a good hey, one. Thanks, lean buddy. Lean Get to sleep.
2: I had probably
1: cuz social injustice don't give my respect now. Some say my heart well, What what am I supposed to do my with my give excuses? My Dave. What, what, listen,
0: the, they are the tool. Dave, do you with, want to be on the list or not?
1: D- dude, I'm not off the list right now.
0: And if you keep talking about your goddamn excuses, oh, yeah. you'll be off, dude. Well, I, Rob's going to listen to this podcast and he be like, I'm listening and Dave's literally telling me he doesn't care enough about climbing. So he's off the list. That's all I'm hearing right now.
1: Yeah, but if he said that to me, I, I have an excuse ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, no, no, no. You can't take me off the list because... Listen. Listen, dude. I do- was... <laughs> my dog ate my motivation. <laughs> I don't... That's good. Thanks, bro.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. It's kind of meta. I don't know. If anything, dude, it makes me... It okay. gives me some juice. I need ju- i f- I think some people have a reserve or a tank of motivation that is more efficient, fuel efficient, or like <laughs> self-replenishing. I just got to keep putting stuff in there for me. I run out real quick. Yeah, and this, this is, is like
1: pure, too <laughs> distilled, like high, high octane, high octane yeah. distilled, low viscosity <laughs> <laughs> climbing oil <laughs> is coursing through his intense. I know, about to rupture veins.
0: They're so close to rupturing. <laughs> I know, Rob. Rob this. Yeah. we
1: love you. Um. Anyway, thank you so much to Rob Pism coming on yes. the show that was that was uh, so cool kind of a wake-up call
0: can we talk about also how funny it is that our last episode was dave wall and then this was rob his first coached student yeah That's awesome. dude i like the chronology
1: it's pretty good well our last show was will and owen this is embarrassing dude <laughs> don't even pay attention to the
0: emails that i send you five <clears> to <throat> 20 times <throat> a day <laughs> you have Yeah, uh, no, no, that. I, What's your see, excuse? I see them, dude. I I see them. I just don't pay attention to them. That is
1: actually an excuse I I've heard before. Um, yeah, well, thanks to Rob, that was enlightening, and it's nice to hear somebody with so much like, just take it or leave it, dog. I, I, don't, give I don't give a, give a, a shit. shit. Yeah, like I hope everybody <sighs> likes me, and I hope I like you. But if that did not
0: work out, I do not. Well, it's it. it's one of those things where like you hear people saying all the time like. Dude, like, don't care what people say. Yeah. But, like, for to actually, like, meet someone who, like, actually embodies that. Yeah. It's not very common. No. Like, it you isn't. don't meet someone who's, like, very genuinely can say that, you know? Yeah. Everyone says that, but they're like, please,
1: don't, please. Yeah. Don't they like me? I th- and I think it's impossible to emulate. It's just got to be you. It's got to be you. You know what I mean? Because I don't care. I, w- I don't care. I will always care. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes, exactly. Like if somebody says, Hey, bucking, I don't care. Hey, like when he called me bald, <laughs> which is not true. I'm not bald. I'm balding. He's vol. Dave is I'm voluntarily the- balding. I'm thank you. <laughs> Feedy. It's an experiment. Um, and that really hurt my feelings. And now I can't stop. <laughs> Dude, thinking bro, we, bro, bro, we know he's, we know he's not going to listen to this. Sta- so. He
0: like, that was one of the funnier moments of that interview. Cause he just, th- he'd like grabbed your, you by your, your scout because he's Gee, I mean, <laughs> don't team up, don't do it, dude. And he chucked you under the bus, dude. Up first though, he opened his big
1: fat left-handed yep. mitt and smacked me across my man yep. face. Gave you a
0: little, <clears throat> and, and then threw me under then, the bus. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, like Rob, a, thank you for doing that. Rob <laughs> said he wasn't gonna listen to this.
1: I know, so we can say whatever <laughs> we say want. Say whatever we want. Um, but that's that's all we're gonna say about that. So we got some. We're gonna wrap it up. That was a long interview. That was really great. Thanks again to Rob. Yo. Um. So, if you guys would like to get a hold of us, and by the way, we've been getting some we've been feedback. getting some feedback. We've been getting some DMs and some emails. It's pretty exciting. It's so been helping us. Yeah, it does help us. We they told a couple people have said to shorten your intros. <laughs> we
0: tried, and
1: I swear to God, we're listening to you. We're going to try we next tried. time. I'm sorry about that. But if you have any other uh, further comments or suggestions, or you'd like to be a part of Thundercling. By writing for the website, we have a couple people uh, in the works right now writing. Mm-hmm. Um, That's shoot- awesome. Yeah, I'm really psyched. Shoot us uh, an email at thunderclingpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or you can get a hold DM of us, us. on Instagram, though. Yeah. We don't really do Facebook. Yeah. Don't really do Twitter. Twitter. We do do some Insta So if we are under the Thundercling, mm-hmm. you can look up either Feedy or myself as well. So, yeah, shoot us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you, and we will listen to you even if we don't implement your suggestions we, immediately.
0: Everything that's been told to us has been valid. Like, we see, yeah. we definitely appreciate it. Super helpful. It and, like, we're struggling with ourselves.
1: Yeah, we're not very it's, disciplined. We're not very disciplined. We interviewed Rob to try to make ourselves better better people and obviously that did not work also rate and review us if you have time on itunes that really really helps us become searchable i think it does so if you have time to do that you I guys Thunder re- re- going to the top baby whoa um that's like the most helpful thing um that anybody can do. So if you want to support the podcast, we don't ask for money or anything like that. If you want to send money, you know, we're not gonna kick you out the door for it. But um just kidding about that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> I have an excuse for saying that. What's the excuse? I'm sleepy. Davis, so
0: he's he hasn't gotten any less sleepy guys since the intro, which is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Anything else? No, I think that's it. I think that's it. And also, I'm really excited. We
1: have a really good podcast coming up next. Oh, too. yeah. I think I'm going to do this. I, I usually yeah, I don't let's do this. It, let's do it. On Tuesday night. So we're recording on a Sunday. You guys are getting this on Monday. Happy
0: Monday, everybody. Recording on a Sunday. And, and then on, Monday. on
1: Tuesday, we have Maureen Beck Maureen and our Beck. coach coming into the Thunder Studio. Yep. Fresh off winning nationals and fresh off the kerfuffle.
0: Someday we should stream it
1: for the para world championship being split off the able-bodied world championship. Mm -hmm. So we're going to chat about that. That'll be out in two weeks. Um, I'm really psyched about that too. Damn. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. (laughs) How do you say welcome back in French? Oh, Oh, I know. Welcome back. (laughs) That's all I got, bro.
0: I think you nailed it.
1: Thank you. Hey, guys, thank you for listening. We will see you in two weeks
0: with Mo Beck.
1: That's it. That's
0: it. All right, I'm going to.